Welcome to the Waymaker Church Ministry Podcast. We hope that you get encouraged while you listen to the preaching and teaching of Pastor Mike Neumann. How many of you glad to be here today? All right. Now, let's go ahead and just set a few ground rules because for some reason you guys forget from week to week. The sooner you work with me today, the sooner you go on home. Is that all right? Okay, that's good. I, I cannot go any further without saying that I have a very dear friend of mine here all the way from Houston, Texas. Bart, it is good to see you. Bart Johnson, minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is good to see you, man. Appreciate you being here. This guy's a preaching machine, singing machine. He does it all, all wrapped up in one. What a great guy, great attitude. Got a servant's heart. He's just a wonderful, wonderful man. And we were introduced to him through Reggie Nevet and their wonderful church back home. Thank you guys so much for introducing us to Bart. We love Bart. He's a great man. Are you glad to be here today, church? We're going to continue in our series we've been looking at. How many, how many of you are blessed? All right, that was a good, good show of hands, but let's make a little noise. How many of you are blessed? All right, that's good. That's what I'm talking about. Man, you guys are ready to go home today. I can tell. Woo! We're going home fast. Watch this. You know, the wonderful part about this is this. Many of you responded because you know you're blessed. Some of you have been figuring out over the past several weeks, you know what? Regardless of the struggles, regardless of the difficulties, regardless of the troubles that I'm experiencing in my life, I am a blessed person. Can somebody say amen? We're realizing that, that we're still blessed even though we may have some problems, even though we may have some difficulties, even though we may have some issues that we need to work through. We're still blessed. We've been looking over the past several weeks at a man in the, in the Word of God named David. Anybody ever heard of David? David's a great guy. David was just an ordinary guy like us. He was just an ordinary guy who experienced an extraordinary change or transformation in his life. What an incredible transformation that took place. Not just spiritually, but a transformation that took place socially in his life. A transformation, I mean, economic, economical change that was unbelievable. But one of the, the key changes that took place was a positional change in his life. One day, think about this. One day he's literally shoveling sheep dung. Y'all know what that is, don't you? For those of y'all don't know what that is, that's poo. All right? He's shoveling sheep dung. The next day he's anointed as king over Israel. I'm talking, you're talking about... When God wants to do something, how many know that God can do something in a flash in your life? But I begin to think about this. What better person to give us a picture in our mind of what a blessed person is? Because if, we're, if we were honest and went around the room this morning and said, okay, what do you think a blessed person looks like? We would have all types of definitions, all types of descriptions. And I, I really think in my mind, I, I think what I have built up over the years, a blessed person to me is somebody who has all the money that they want, that, that's not what y'all think a blessed person looks like? Oh, y'all not, y'all, I forget. Y'all are, y'all are much more spiritual than I am and, and not as materialistic. I, I, I forgot about that. But to me, a blessed person has all the money that they want, have no problems, no difficulties, life is smooth sailing, have all the toys that they ever wanted to play with. Come on, somebody. Now, in my mind, that's what I thought a blessed person really looked like. But really, being blessed has a lot, to, lot more to do than just with materialistic blessings. Can somebody say amen? So what better person to give us a picture of somebody who is blessed than David? Because David was a person who wasn't blessed and then all of a sudden was blessed. I want you to take your Bible, if you would, today and turn to Psalm chapter 1. We're going to read from the Word of God, Psalm chapter 1. 
If you brought your Bible, your iPad, your iPhone, or whatever you brought this morning. How many brought your Bibles this morning? All right. Psalm chapter 1, begin reading at verse 1. says, blessed. Now, this is giving us a description of what a blessed person is. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or the ungodly or stand in the way of sinners. Blessed is the man who does not stand in the way of sinners. Blessed is the man who does not sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on the law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree that is planted by streams of water, which yield or bring forth its fruit in season. Now, if you haven't experienced your harvest, maybe it's just because it's not your what? Just not your season yet. Whose leaf does not wither. That means, now, if a leaf has a tendency to wither, that means that the heat's going to be on. Anybody in here ever had the heat turned up in life? Just a couple of us. And whatsoever he does shall prosper. Now, we're talking about leaf withering and whatever he does. Now, anytime you're doing something, that, that's really indicating what? Work, labor. So we have to be doing something. But he's talking about blessed is the man. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or the ungodly. Blessed is the man who does not stand in the way of sinners. Blessed is the man who does not seat, sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in what? The law of the Lord. And in the law of the Lord, he meditates day and night. What I want you to see is this. We have established over the past several weeks that blessed is not the absence of adversity. Make sure you understand that. Blessed is not the absence of adversity. But what blessed is, is this. We gave it a description like this. It's the uncanny, innate ability to succeed over adversity. What does uncanny mean? That just means it's unusual. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been in a situation where you looked at the situation and you almost in your mind could figure out what the outcome was going to be for your life at that point? You, you looked at that situation and thought, there is absolutely no way this is going to have a happy ending. There is no way I'm going to get through this situation unscathed. Does anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? I mean, you look at it and think, man, this is a train wreck waiting to happen. It's just only a matter of time till this thing crashes. And then all of a sudden, something happens. And things turn and events change. And you get to the end and it has a happy ending. And they live happily ever after. And you think, how in the world did that happen? It's uncanny. It's unusual. It's supernatural. The innate, what does that mean? It's intrinsic. It's inside of you. It's the power of God residing inside of you. It's that unusual supernatural power residing inside of you that gives you the ability. Now, many times we think of ability as just sheer strength. Just sheer strength and brawn. But let me tell you something. God, God's ability goes beyond strength and brawn. God's ability means this. He's given you wisdom. He's given you insight. He's given you knowledge. He's given you the things, the tenacity to hold on until the end instead of giving up right before the victory takes place. He's given you those things to succeed over adversity. I am thankful today that God has placed inside of me an uncanny, innate ability to succeed over adversity because if I continue to hold on, if I continue to believe, at one point, someday, victory and success will be mine. Can somebody say amen? Because he made a declaration in the Word. He says, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. It will eventually prosper. Can somebody say amen? You could really entitle this message instead of just blessed. You could look at it and say, well, there's three don'ts and a do. Three don'ts and a do. We've looked at two of the don'ts. The first don't is don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. That means this. Don't fashion your life after the wisdom of this world. 
And so, isn't it amazing how quick we are to run to the wisdom of the world, people that we consider brilliant or intelligent or, or filled with wisdom who are skilled in the world's uh, way of doing things. We run to them quicker than we run to the Word of God for our advice and for our wisdom. He says, don't, he says, if you want to be successful, he says, don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Don't listen to their advice. What does the Bible tell us in Romans chapter 12? It tells us, do not be conformed. Don't be conformed to this world, but what? Transformed by the renewing of our mind. The scary part about what I have to do is I have one hour, about one or one, one and a half hours every week to combat or combat against what you have been bombarded with all week long. Talking about a job. An hour and a half to come against everything that you've been bombarded with, that your mind has been bombarded with. He says, don't be conformed or shaped by the world's opinions or their views or their insight. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So in other words, don't walk. If you want to be blessed, don't walk in their counsel. Don't conform your, world, don't conform your life to their way of thinking. The second don't that we looked at was don't stand in the way of sinners. Now we think that means don't get in their way when they're coming to the Lord. That doesn't mean that at all. It's not what it's referring to. If you look at this, he's given you a progression here. What did he first of all say? He says, don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Don't walk in their ways. Don't walk in their thinking. Don't walk according to what they say. The progression that takes place here is this. He says, once you begin to think like them, what's going to happen next is you're going to be, begin to act like them. Not only do you think like them, talk like them, but now you begin to act like them because you're in their world. The third thing that we're going to look at today, which is today, don't sit in the seat of the scornful. That's what it says. Don't sit in the seat of the scornful. In other words, he's saying don't have a sit down with the scornful. Now, when I'm sitting down, I don't know about you, but when I sit down, I'm, I'm planning on getting comfortable. Two things are about to happen. Number one, I'm going to sit down to eat. And by the way, we have a little reception after the service today. If you guys, and it's my favorite thing, and you got to take the rest of it home. White cake with white icing. That's like my downfall. You want to get me to sin? Bring me that. We had a birthday party a couple of weeks ago at our house, and my daughters, they left a, actually they had two cakes because they had two parties. They left two cakes at my house. You know what I did? I called them up at 10 o'clock. I said, get over to my house and get these cakes. I'll get them in the morning. I said, there won't be nothing left in the morning. You get yourself over here right now and get this cake out of here. Because I'd be sitting out eating it. So what, you, what you're doing here is he says, don't sit down. So I'm either going to sit down to eat or I'm going to sit down to get comfortable. What he's saying is don't sit down and get comfortable with people that have been scorned. Don't sit down and, and, and get comfortable and start hanging around with bitter people. That's what he's saying. Because bitter people, I don't know if you know this or not, bitter people will always see, always see, always see the negative in everything. In everything. doesn't matter what you're looking at. The reason is, is because they don't adopt their views or their thinking objectively or intelligently. They, they really don't. They never come to a conclusion just based on the information that is there for them. They come to a conclusion based on the information that is there, but it is tainted by their bitterness. If you're bitter this morning, I want to tell you something. You cannot be blessed. 
And some of you sitting there going, Pastor Mike, I don't know. I've seen some awfully bitter people with a lot of money. But the bad part is, isn't that sad? Blessed financially, but angry at life. Angry at those around them. You think they're really enjoying life? They're really not. They may be spending their money on everything trying to buy happiness. But I'm going to tell you right now, things will not bring you happiness. God wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be prosperous. But I'm telling you from experience, things will not bring you happiness. Can somebody say amen? A bitter person. A bitter person is a person that is scorned. He says, don't sit in the seat of the scornful. What is a scorned person? A person that has been rejected or belittled. A person that has been rejected or belittled. Now, I want to make something perfectly clear right here. It's a person who's been rejected or belittled. It may have actually happened to them, or it may not have even happened to them at all. It may not have necessarily happened, but they just feel, come on, somebody. They just feel that they were rejected. They just feel that they were belittled, and, and that's what's happened. They've made it up in their minds. That happens many times. Can I tell you that half the people that hate the church today hate it because they feel that they've been belittled or rejected by the church. They feel that they were denied an opportunity that was theirs and belonged to them. Can I tell you that any time a person is scorned, any time a person is bitter, any time a person feels rejected, any time a person feels belittled, they are dangerous. Can I tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm just being honest this morning. We're deal, we deal with real life issues here. There are people, and let's be honest, there are people that hate you. Good morning. There are people that literally hate you simply because you didn't let them in your life. You didn't give them access. You didn't grant them entrance. That's all you did wrong. You just didn't give them access into your life. And all they do now is talk about how bad you are. And here's the, here's the real kicker. Maybe you did give them a chance. Maybe you did give them an opportunity, but it's just not the chance or the opportunity that they wanted, how they wanted it, when they wanted it, exactly the way they wanted it. I mean, the reality is, if you invited them out to dinner over at your house, if you brought them into your home, if you took them out to dinner all the time, or maybe if you let them preach at your church, then you were a great person. But the moment you don't do what they want you to do, when they want you to do it, all of a sudden you're the devil from the gates of hell. What happens next is the next thing that takes place is they leave you, they pull away from you, and they begin to talk about you. Oh, y'all know I'm right about this. I'm absolutely right about this this morning. Come on. Let me give you some word to talk, show you what I'm talking about. The only thing, the only thing that Saul had against David the only thing was that he had been rejected. He had been rejected. David hadn't done a thing to him, had never, ever done a thing to him. But the only thing was Saul felt rejection. Can I tell you, that's, that's why people are after you. That's why people don't like you. Oh, they're not trying to kill you physically. You see, Saul ended up to the point he felt so rejected, he tried to kill David. And maybe people aren't trying to physically kill you today, but I'll be honest with you, there are people that would love to assassinate your character. There are people that would love to kill your reputation. Come on, somebody. And it's those bitter, scorned people. Now, I mentioned this at the end of a service last week. The real kicker of life is, how many of you have been hurt by somebody? Well, how many of y'all are lying? Y'all never been hurt before? I always have problems with this section right here. I'm hurt. How many of y'all been hurt by somebody? Really? Now, here's the real kicker. Everybody lifted their hand. You've probably hurt somebody. 
That's the real, we don't want to talk about that though, do we? I don't bring that up. I like the other part because I can stay mad and angry and hostile. No, but the reality of it is, is all of us, we've been hurt, but we've also hurt those around us. You've heard the old saying, keep your friends close and your, ooh, scared me. Y'all know that. Oh, y'all do that. Here's the reality. That means this. When they realize and when they finally get it that the possibility of getting with you is over, then they become toxic. That's why there's a term today, former or ex. Ex-employees, ex-lovers, ex-wives, come on, ex-husbands, ex-pastors, ex-men, come on somebody. <laughs> Anytime you put an ex in front of what happens, you've just made a mark on yourself and you have now become a target. Oh, let's be honest this morning. Some of you here today, listen, it's impossible to get this many people together and not have some scorned people here. To not have some angry people. To not have some hostile people. Oh, you got your church smile on today. I know. You got your game face on. I know. I know all about it. It's like I told you before. What I have to do, you say, Pastor Mike, how do you deal with it sometimes? I have to, I have to deal with it just like you do. The realizing, though, at the same time, not only have I been hurt, but I have hurt. And that hurts that I've hurt. But what you have to do when you've been hurt, you've been deeply hurt or wounded or disappointed, is, is, is instead of pretending it didn't happen, or here, we're really good at this, oh, that didn't bother me at all. Aren't we really good liars? That didn't even faze me. And down inside, you're dying, you're hurting, you're angry. You're hostile, and it's continuing to build and, and, and stew inside of you. What you have to do is maybe have yourself a good mad. Just have yourself a good mad. Get it out there. Go out somewhere out in the country, out where I live. Don't come out to my house because I got my own spew going on out there. Don't come out there. Just have yourself a good, you know, this hurt me, this upset me, this bothered me, and deal with it. Deal with it. Instead of not, instead of suppressing that anger, suppressing that hostility, and pretending that it's not there because it is there. Be honest with yourself and say, you know what? It did hurt me. It did disappoint me. It did wound me. And deal with those feelings that you're dealing with. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you are holding on to those feelings to hurt that other person, you are sadly mistaken because they have moved on. Sometimes they don't even know that they've hurt you. And they've moved on. I mean, so you can't, you can't have a crowd just this size and not have some scorned people here. And if you be honest and admit it today, if you can be honest with yourself, the reason that you are scorned, the reason you feel rejected, and the reason you feel belittled is because you didn't get what you wanted. This is going over like a real, really going over good here today. And what happens next is you lose hope and you become bitter. There's an interesting verse that talks about bitterness in, in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, don't let a root of bitterness spring up. Don't let a root of bitterness. Talking about a root here. Bitterness, it says spring up and ruin your life. Bitterness will ruin your life. Bitterness will spoil your chances of being blessed. Some of you today need to be honest and let it go. You need to be honest and let it go. 
Just say it with me. Let it go. Let go of the rejection. Let go. Let go of the hostility. Let go of the venom. Let go of the anger. It's destroying your life. It's amazing to me how people are and people that are born again and say, there's a person I know that literally has a list in her Bible. And if you're going to put, if you're going to put such a list together, for heaven's sakes, don't put it in your Bible. These are people I'm angry at and I will not talk to and I will reject and I will not be nice to. Don't put it in your Bible. Somebody might get your Bible and go, my goodness, this is a Christian. It'll destroy your life. There are people in this church today. The reason you don't tithe, it's not because you don't believe in tithing. What is tithing? Bringing a tenth of our income. You see, tithing is not, tithing is not about being religious. It's, it's about, really, it's about showing our love for the Lord. It's called first fruits, putting him first. Who's first in your life? But there are people that can't tithe today because, simply because of bitterness and anger. They're cynical and they don't trust anyone. They don't trust anyone. I mean, how many times have I heard people say, that's all the church wants is your... That's not all we want. I'd like for y'all to attend church every Sunday. That'd be nice. So you can't honestly say then that's all we want. I'd like for y'all to serve more. So you can't sit there and say, well, that's all we want is your money. But why is it amazing? You don't go to the grocery store and walk through the door and go, well, bless God, all they want is my money here. Forgetting that the lights are on for you. Forgetting that the shelves are stocked for you. Come on. Forgetting that the air conditioning is on. Forgetting that they have people there, well, hopefully sometimes, checking you out at the counters and stuff. Speaking of checking out, I've got to throw this in. Has nothing to do with my sermon. Has to do with dealing with things. Because I got angry. Y'all are shocked, I know. I took my 15-year-old Shiloh who in my opinion is drop-dead gorgeous, to, to eat with me the other day at Los Cerritos, and we were standing there waiting to, to be seated. There's a counter, a bar kind of a counter thing sitting there, and this big, looked like man to me, kid, turned around on the bar stool and looked at my daughter. Did this. I was counting that was twice son that's the third time then he looked at me and smiled oh I said you checking my daughter out in front of the waiters everybody I said you checking my daughter out I wasn't teasing he just smiled I said I will come over there I will pick you up I will throw you across the counter if you look at her like that again do you understand Boy, he swung around on that stool. We didn't hear a peep. You know where we sat? Right behind him. I mean, he stayed focused the whole time. Waiters and waitresses, ah, he nailed you. He got you. I did. That, she goes, Dad, that was embarrassing. I said, honey, I meant every word of it. I will pick you up. I will throw you across that counter. I had nothing to do with anything, but I just wanted to tell you. I had to deal, I had to deal with it. 
because it made me angry. You say you wouldn't have done it. Listen, listen. His grandpa was sitting right beside him. I thought, if you ain't got the whatever to tell him to turn around, I'll tell you to turn around. Come on, somebody. I better get back to my notes here. So that goes for anybody else in here who would like to look at my daughter, by the way. We'll get Jamie and we'll get Gary and we'll throw you across the counter. I won't even, I can just watch. But I mean, how many times have I heard people say, that's all we want is your money? That's not true. That's not a true statement. Not at all. So what happens many times is people become cynical and critical and angry and bitter and they leave the church, they forsake the church, they leave the church, they backslide, they don't live for God simply because in their mind they have made it up that all the church wants is your money. When in fact that is not true. It's amazing to me because some of those same people end up going to strip clubs. I said strip clubs, in case you didn't hear what I said. Let me ask you a question. Do you think she really likes you? <laughs> Much less loves you? Some of the men are looking down. I mean, when... <laughs> I mean, you, th you think when you're in trouble, she cares? I mean, you think when you're at the hospital, she's going to come visit you? How about when your kid's in jail? You think it's going to matter to her when your kids get in jail? How about when you lose your job? You think she's going to be praying for you? How about when they begin to repo your car? You think she's going to break loose some of that money? Uh-uh. Let's be honest today. Why do you think she's shaking what she's got? And you ain't said nothing about her. Oh, let's be honest this morning. Let's get down where we live. What do you think she wants? All she wants is your money. But you ain't said nothing about her. You know, I would like for one time just to see this. I'd like to drive by somewhere and see this. A sinner at the door at a strip club with a sign said, Don't go in there. All she wants is your money. Wouldn't you like to see that? Say nothing about her, but people what? Continue to go back time after time after time after time after time. Come on, somebody. Let's be honest this morning. And then they charge you probably a cover charge, and then they're going to charge you extra for the drinks. Oh, my goodness, all they want your money. I wish you could see the view from here this morning at all little silly grins on the men's faces. Kind of looking up and doing this bobbing this morning. Y'all will go home and go, what y'all talk about? He talked about strip clubs today. I don't catch much anything else, but I remember that. What happens to a bitter person 
a person who's been belittled or scorned is their logic or their reasoning is tainted, totally tainted. And if you're not a person, you are not a person who thinks it through or is a reflective person or is a strong person with a strong personality. What happens when you sit down with them or you're with them, then all of a sudden you will buy into their way of thinking and your saved self will start thinking like they think and then you're going to start living what they live and how they live and according to what they say and then you're going to turn around and ask yourself, how come I'm not being blessed? When the reality of it is, is what? You have been sitting in the seat of the scornful. You got to get rid of it. Look at your neighbor and tell him again, you got to get rid of it. You got to get rid of it. You got to get rid of it. I know, listen, I know what people did to you hurt. I know that not everything that happens in life is always fair. I understand that. I get that. You may have been the best qualified for the job. You may have had the best resume. You may have had the best skills. You may have had the best people skills. You may have been the person they should have selected, but you still didn't get the job. I understand life is not fair. You may, you may do all of the work at your office or at your place of business. You may do all of the legwork and all of the details. You take care and make sure that the details are taken care of and you don't get the credit or recognition that you deserve. I understand why you're frustrated and why you're upset. Many times life is not fair. For you, you may be the type of person you always put it on the top shelf. You give it your best people that really know you know that you give it everything you got every day, day in and day out, giving it your very, very best. And the people that it really matters to look at you go and, and go, is that the best you can do? For many people, it's not good enough. I understand what that feels like. Life is not fair, but you cannot allow yourself in any of those situations to become bitter and angry and hostile. It doesn't matter, listen, it doesn't matter what you lost. It doesn't matter what they've done. It doesn't matter what they said. You cannot afford to go there. I want to tell you this morning, you can go to church, you can pay your tithe, you can quote scripture all day long, but the truth is, is you're not really blessed because you're toxic. Toxic. Catch this. I read a statistic this week. 70% of the people you come in contact, 70%. Not seven, 70 percent of the people you come in contact with are angry. I believe that. I don't think it might be 80s what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that might be a little low. The Bible says, don't let a root of bitterness what? Spring up. Isn't it amazing? And I watch this all the time from my perspective as a pastor. People are constantly working on bad habits. I'm just trying to kick this habit. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to, to be a better person. I'm trying to work on not being so angry. And I'm, I'm trying to work on my temper. I'm trying to have a better attitude. I'm trying to not be so negative. You know, my family, we grew up, we were just all negative. And I'm, I'm just a negative person, but I'm trying to not be a negative person. All of those things that I'm talking about, all of those things are external fruits. Those are external. And we talked about that at the very beginning of this series. That many times what we try to do is we change things on the outside. But the Word of God says, it says this, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God is looking for transformation from the inside out. See, you may change all of those outward appearances, but you're still a frustrated person. You're still an angry person. He says, be transformed, what? From the inside out. The bottom line, the truth is, is if you don't get the root, you cannot change the fruit. Hear that today. If you don't pull, it's like getting a, you can, you can pluck a, a, a weed off at the top and what's going to happen next morning, that sucker's back up. I mean, you got some of y'all need to get some spiritual roundup out today. 
Spray that thing down. Spray it good. Kill that thing at the root. I close with this. Wow, that's pretty good. You did good. Several decades ago, this is an interesting story. Once again, have they decided anything on the debt thing? No? I'm not the smartest person in the room, but is that a smart thing to do? Just raise our debt limit? Let's, ra let's just borrow more money. Whatever. I'm not, like I said, I'm not the smartest person in the room. What do I know? But I don't like them playing politics with our military and our Social Security people. Come on, somebody. That's not good. The reason I got off on that is because I'm talking about the government again. Several decades ago, the U.S. government decided with all their brilliance. And you would think with all the resources, they would think things through. They decided to bury in large containers toxic waste, extremely toxic waste. So they fill these large containers, these 55-gallon drums up. They filled them and they sealed them and then they buried them deep into the earth and they thought that was the end of it. Never having to deal with it again. Well, what happened a short time later, it began to, to rust and began to seep through those containers, tainting the soil and eventually reaching the topsoil. All of a sudden, in this area where this, this toxic waste had been buried, they began to notice that all the vegetation began to die. All of a sudden, all of the trees began to die. Even several years later, they, they, they experienced an extremely unusual amount of people that came down with cancer who began to die with this unusual type of cancer. Eventually, people, because of the water system, was totally tainted. They had to leave their homes. And they began to realize that, that what they had buried, what they had buried was too toxic for the container to hold. They never dreamed it was going to resurface. Isn't it amazing what we try to cram into our container? We try to cram unforgiveness in here. We try to cram anger down. We try to cram bitterness in here only to find out that our containers are leaking and really aren't strong enough to hold the toxic waste of life. All of us have had situations and difficulties and struggles or people even that have caused us to become frustrated and angry and bitter and hostile toward life. But the reality of it is you can try and suppress it you can try and push it down. You can try and contain it. But eventually it's going to resurface. That's why you need to deal with it. That's why you have to let it go. Here's an interesting thing. Many times the reason we don't forgive and many times the reason we don't let it go is because we feel like we're letting them off the hook. Did y'all hear what I said? We feel like we're giving them a break. The reality of it is our anger, our bitterness is hurting no one except us. It's killing us. It's ruining your life. Here's the tragic part. Can we be a little honest this morning? The tragic part is this. Not only is it ruining your life, it's ruining the lives of those around you that you care about because your venom is now being spewed upon them, upon your children,
upon your children's children. I could tell you the most interesting story. I'll tell you just a part of it. In talking to a child, a little child, Twyla and I were talking to him, and he made this comment. He said, I thought I was supposed to be angry about that. Why did he think that? Because of the venom. Come on. Being spewed. And we said, no, you're not supposed to be angry about that. Let it go. And see, for some of you today, you're destroying your relationships with your spouse. See, some of you, like, can I be real honest this morning? Some of you have remarried, but it's like you haven't remarried. You're still angry at the, the last guy or the last girl. And because of that now, you're suspicious of this guy or this girl. Oh, we're preaching good this morning. Yeah. You know the reason that is, is because you haven't let it, let it go. And let it go. Today's a mighty good day, as Yvette would say, to let it go. To let it go. What is your picture of a blessed person? Well, what we need to base it on is what the word says. I will not what? Walk in the counsel of the ungodly. I will not stand in the way of the sinners. In other words, I'm not going to think like them because if I think like them, as a man thinketh, I didn't write this, he did. As a man thinketh, so is he. So if I start thinking like them, I'm going to start being like them. And then if I'm going to start being like them, what's going to happen? I'm going to sit down with them, get comfortable with their ways, and all of a sudden their bitterness is going to get on me. Don't sit down with the scornful. That's why I'm careful who I let in my life. They get mad at me, oh, well. I got too much at risk. You say, well, they're going to get bitter and angry. They already bitter and angry. They already there. That's why they're not coming in. Come on, somebody. You say, well, that's just not right. Well, you let them in. You take care of them. See how it affects your life. Been around too much of that all my life. I'm not going there. Will I minister to people? Absolutely. Will I hang around with them? No way. Because I know what will happen. If I sit down with them, what's going to happen? I'm going to end up being just like them. I'm going to pick up their offense. Come on, let's be honest. And isn't that amazing? Let's talk about that. Some of y'all here aren't even bitter because of what's been happening to you. It's because you picked up somebody else's offense. Yeah. Didn't even happen to you, but you're all mad. You need to let go of that today. Forgive today for your sake so that the poison doesn't continue to contaminate you you that doesn't mean you see you have to get to a point where you go you know what I've done my best I let it go I give it up because realistically is being angry and bitter and hostile and ruining my life worth it I'm not saying what happened to you was right I'm not minimizing what happened to you at all but I'm telling you this you continuing to be bitter will not change the situation. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. What does that mean? That means you turn them over to him and you let him take care of them. He can take care of them a whole lot better than I can. 
He can take care of their lousy attitude. He can, you can hear the whip cracking, getting ready to go. Oh, yeah, turn it over to him. The thing is, is he loves them as much as he loves you. But those that he loves, he chastens. He will chasten all of us to get us back in line. So today what I'm saying is this. Do I have to deal with it? Sure, just like you do. But what I have to do? Let it go. I've literally had to walk into the hospital. I've been in situations where I've been called back into a situation where I know that people are upset with me, mad at me, hostile toward me, and walk in like nothing. And that's the thing. I have to walk in as if nothing has happened. Because y'all expect that of me. Can we be honest today? But if you want to avoid me, you just avoid me. Come on, let's be honest. Come on. That's not right. So today, let go of the bitter root. Pull it up because you cannot change it. doesn't matter how hard you try. You cannot change the fruit unless you get rid of the, the fruit unless you get rid of the root today. I want to ask you a question. How many of you be honest and say, you know what? I need to let some things go today. If that's you, I want you to stand. Sure, I want you to come this morning. If that's you, I want you to stand. I need to let some things go. Let me let, let you in on a little secret here that God really helped me with one time. Just a little, little, this is a little, this really helped me. Because in my mind, this, this, because this is what happens. You leave a service like this, you, you say, I give it up, I walk away from it. And two minutes into your car, all of a sudden something happens that triggers something. And you go, I ain't giving up nothing. I can't believe what they did to me. Oh, bless God, I'll yank their head off their body if I see them next. I'll run them over and tell God they died. I mean, you, all these thoughts start going through your mind. I hit the gas pedal instead of the brake. You know, I'm getting old now. Here's what, here's what God, God dropped this in my heart. Help me. How were you saved? How were you saved? By, by what? By faith. By faith you're saved. Through grace, by faith. Are there some days you don't feel saved? Be honest this morning. There's some days I, I wake up and go, Lord Jesus, I don't feel saved today. I feel like I've been hit by a truck. Here's what happens. God told me this. He said, you need to forgive just like you were saved. I said, what do you mean? He said, you need to forgive by faith. That means this. The next time that feeling comes over, you're going, I don't, I don't like them. You, you go, no, 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 no. I've already forgiven them. It doesn't feel like it, but by faith, I forgave them. And I'm standing on that. By faith, they're forgiven. By faith, I let it go. By faith. And what that is, is all that is is when you're trying to make a change like that and let things go where it's not building up inside of you, that's just the enemy of your soul coming back against you to try and put you back down and put you back in that box and contain you and to taint you and to contaminate you. But you need to remind him, you know what? You, I know what happened. You see, that's why he was saying he took the sting of death. The sting is gone. I remember it, but the sting is gone. There were things that happened to me that hurt me, but the sting is gone now. I can talk about it, but it doesn't bother me anymore. Why? Because the sting is gone. So by faith today, what you've done by standing, you're saying, you know what? I, get, I forgive today. I let it go. I realize I'm not hurting them. I'm just hurting myself. Today, I let it go. I let it go. Amen? Sherry, would you pray? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you 
Lord, I thank you, God, that you never leave us the same. Lord, I thank you for every man and every woman that stood because, Lord, as they stood, they are choosing life. Lord, they've been lost in the death of bitterness. They've been lost in a cave of defeat. They've been lost in isolation. But, Lord, as they stood today, God, I thank you that that root of bitterness, I thank you that that root of scorn has literally fallen off of them. It's closed off. It can't grow any longer. We're not going to nurture it. We're not going to feed it. But, Lord, we speak death over it today. And, Lord, we choose your life. We choose your life. Lord, many of us stood, Heavenly Father, out of, out of a faith of forgiveness, Lord. We're extending the forgiveness in faith, God. And I thank you, Lord, that as we extend forgiveness to that person, you will extend forgiveness to us. And, Lord, I thank you that chains of envy, chains of bitterness, chains of isolation, chains of deception, Lord, hold your children no longer. But we stand today free. We stand free. God, it doesn't matter how old the hurt was. It doesn't matter how long ago it happened. Lord, we are forever changed from this day forward. And Lord, as we go forward, we're, no, we go forward as strong and mighty men and women of God, Lord. Men and women of valor, Lord, that can embrace our enemy. Lord, that can release our enemy. That can forgive that one that mistreated us, that one that stole from us, that, that one that spoke death over us. Lord, as we stood, we speak life not only over us, but over them. Lord, we forgive the abuser. We forgive the liar. Lord, we forgive the thief. We forgive the one that said that they loved us and walked away. Lord, we release forgiveness because we are forgiven. Lord, you said in your word of whom much is given, much is required. Lord, you have forgiven us of much. And so, Lord, we forgive today. Lord, we leave it here today, never to pick it up again, never to play that tape again, never to watch the scenario in our head again. Lord, it will not define us. It will not limit us any longer. Lord, it will not limit us, and it will not limit that one that hurt us. Lord, we're free today. God, I thank you that your children are going to walk out of here a little lighter. They're going to walk out of here encouraged. They're going to walk out of here renewed because, Lord, they have left in this place that thing that has stolen from them long enough. Lord, I thank you that the thief will steal from us no longer. I thank you that we stand here whole. We stand here healthy. We stand here victorious. We stand here going forward in you, in Jesus' name. Let's give God praise this morning for what has taken place in our lives. I'd like for everyone to stand across this congregation this morning. Before we dismiss, I'd like to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you have never invited him into your heart and into your life, I'd like to give you that opportunity now with every head bowed across this congregation. If you're here today and would like to say yes to Jesus Christ, you know what? I want him in my heart. I want him in my life. I want to live for him. On the count of three, I want you to lift up your hand all across this building. One, two, three. If that's you, lift it up, lift it up, lift it up this morning. Anyone here this morning? Okay. Looks like everybody in here is saved. We got some work ahead of us and if we got all saved folk in here. Come on, somebody. Amen. Let me pray over you, Father. We thank you today for your goodness and your mercy, your blessing. We thank you for everything that you've done in our hearts and lives, Father. We're thankful, God, that we're realizing and recognizing that we are truly blessed according to your word. Father, keep your hand upon this house, upon your people, upon this place. And God, keep your hand of safety and provision upon us. We give you all glory and praise in Jesus' name.